So I was looking back, and the last time this gospel reading, well, I don't know that it was the last time it was read here. It has been read here because I've been gone seven years, but um, I did preach on this gospel passage uh, the last time it was read and I was here. So I'm taking a pass on it today. It's, t- it's tough, but I will engage it at some point, I promise. So there was, there's something else I really wanted to talk about that um, kind of struck me and stirred some things in me. And first, I guess I want to say, we may not think about it, but it should be obvious to us that um, there's not just one kind of simple a tidy way of understanding our faith and Christianity and all of the different things it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Uh, one way I can prove that to you is the hundreds and hundreds of denominations we have. Uh, we all have different ways of identifying things that we think are important or emphasizing different things. So I, I say that to you this morning to say there are times when our, our faith... Um, we inherit a way of thinking and perhaps we've not had anyone push against it or challenge it. And so I'm going to do a little bit of that this morning. So sit easy. It's going to be all right. Just because I may push a little bit doesn't mean that I'm uh, absolutely right. Although probably. Um, (laughs) But... (laughs) We all have our sacred cows that uh, need to at least be scrutinized at times and sometimes even barbecued and filleted and gotten rid of. And you can decide if any of that makes sense to you. So my, I want to begin by asking you, have you ever been the target of a hard sell? Hard sell tactics. Uh, and I don't know about you, but I find them... Uh, particularly uncomfortable. Uh, Every single time uh, I've not bought a car online but gone somewhere to buy a car, uh, the hard sell tactics come out uh, until I always buy a car I shouldn't buy. Every single time. uh, Because I give in. And so these hard sell tactics, you pay this in order to get this. It's a transaction. And the person doing the selling, um, they have one goal in mind to make the sale, right? You're, a, you're not so much a person, you're a target oftentimes in those. And if you're a salesman, I'm speaking generalities, I know you're wonderful, okay? I, <laughs> I'm just talking about my experience and some experience out there. Um, so it might be <clears throat> a sense of security that you're being sold. Dare I say, it could even be entry into heaven. Entry into heaven from our epistle reading from 1 Timothy this morning. God desires for everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Well, there it is. First, we get a glimpse into the heart of God. What does God want? He wants everyone to be saved. And here comes the place where I might offer a bit of challenge or at least perhaps introduce some thoughts that you haven't thought of before. It's got to do with what does it mean to be saved? I suspect you all have some kind of presupposition in your head of what that looks like. And often, um, this event, this being saved, 
is called a number of things. It might be called being saved. It might be called receiving Jesus into your life. Uh, it could be called being born again. There are different expressions for this idea of being saved. And um, my first kind of push here, because I talked about the hard sales tactic. If you've ever been in churches, it can feel that way, that, that someone really wants you to get saved, and you can feel like a target. And, you know, uh, we're going to sing just another uh, a chorus of Just As I Am, and I know there's somebody in the balcony uh, who's holding out. Uh, have you ever been in situations like this? It's like, well, I'm going to come down because I'm just not sure. And so it, you can feel almost like a target. Well, I say that, and so my first challenge as we're kind of thinking about this is, does that sort of situation, this hard sales tactic, does it feel a bit shallow or perfunctory coming from the king of the universe? The author of all wisdom, the source of infinite creativity, is it really about this sort of encounter that feels like a hard sales tactic? And that's kind of the uh, substance of what Christianity has become. Because it's about salvation. Is anybody tracking with me? Does anyone feel this way? Perhaps I should go preach somewhere else. <laughs> <clears throat> I know y'all have had this experience. And if we've thought about it, it feels... At least it does to me. It's like, are you kidding me? The author of all wisdom and creativity, is that really what this is all about? Is this sort of an encounter? Well, I don't think so, obviously. How have we as the church universal, the Christian church, not been able to see that? Because it treats people like targets. That I have a transaction that I want you to engage in. You do this, whatever this particular denomination's uh, formula might be, and then you can be saved. And perhaps you've encountered this sort of situation. Uh, a product is described, you know, maybe it's eternal life and the life beyond. And that's the product. And so here's what you do. You sign on the dotted line. You do a particular thing. And you go from one kind of category, not being saved, into another category, I'm saved. So, I want to offer you another perspective. Again, you don't have to buy it at all. I was raised in this hard sell tactic situation, by the way, so uh, I'm familiar with it. I used to preach it all the time, uh, so I know, <laughs> I know a bit about it. But here's another way to think about this. The good news is not that Jesus has opened up the possibility of a transaction for salvation and invited you to be received, for you to receive Jesus into your life. That is, we hear that, but I don't think that's the good news. The good news is not the opportunity to receive Jesus into your life. Rather, the good news is that Jesus has included you into his life. He's included, pardon me, you into his relationship with his Father and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. 
That's the good news. You've been included. He's done that for you. Have you ever thought about this? What's the power of the cross? If it didn't include you into the life of God, and in fact only offered you a possibility, have you all ever thought about this? The power of the cross is it did include you in the life of God. It has invited you into the life of the Son and the Father. And it has asked you now that you've been included, we invite you to participate. You still have a role to play, to participate. Let me put it to you this way. I've not, this is the best analogy I've been able to think of. It's imperfect. <clears throat> you are born in the United States, and as a result, you are automatically a citizen of the United States. You weren't given the option. You were. You are. But you're invited to participate as a citizen. You don't have to. You can, you can actively fight against being a citizen, but it doesn't change that you're a citizen. Does that make sense? You've been included in the life of God. That's the good news. And you've been invited then to participate in these in joy and freedom in um, the celebration of the beauty of creation, to help share in the sufferings of your brothers and sisters when life is just beating somebody down. And I know it has not beat you down. Man, y'all are serious. (laughs) We all get beat down. Suffering is no respecter of persons. It comes to us. The good news is that we've been invited into the life of Christ to participate. How long do I get to go? (laughs) Second part of what I want to share with you. What is this content of of salvation, of being saved? What are the implications of being saved? What exactly does that mean? And Most of the time, as a a minister, even before I was ordained, uh, and we would ask people this question, what does it mean to be saved? The number one answer, I feel like I'm on Family Feud now. Number one answer is that I get to go to heaven after I die. Does that resonate with anybody? That that's, man, y'all are shy. (laughs) Well, that is the number one answer in my uh, experience and certainly in a lot of what I've read and, and growing up that salvation is I go to heaven after I die. And that's what the whole transaction's about, right? I want to sign on the dotted line so that my eternal destination is way more favorable than the alternative. Can we not see how self-serving that is? That's not a response to love. That's covering my backside, which is a smart thing to do. Of course it is. But it makes the relationship of being with Christ, it starts it out in kind of a, Again, is that what the creator of the universe, the source of all wisdom and creativity had in mind, is this offer that 
you either do this or else. We don't even do that with our own children. And we can't be better than God. Are you tracking with me? So what is this salvation? I want us to consider that the author and creator of all things, that we use our reasoning to begin to examine these things, that the immense and beautiful and wondrous thought and creativity of creation Everything that we experience around us, when we walk out these doors, the beauty of the world and the universe and of love, receiving love, the relationships we have with one another, with our family, with our children, with our friends, the purpose of the things that we do with our hands, we get engaged with um, building community or serving the poor or trying to make this world better, that the source of all wisdom isn't saying that all of those things really don't matter because Christianity is all about something that goes into effect after you die. No. This word saved that was in Timothy, in Greek it's the word sozo. It also means heal or wholeness, W-H-O-L-E-ness. Wholeness, heal, save. God desires for us all to be whole, to be made well and to thrive and to be healed. And yes, it includes what's going to go on uh, in the afterlife, but that's just a small piece of it. It has begun now. Is that correct grammar? You get the sense of what I'm trying to say, though. It has already begun, and we're invited to participate in that. We you and I have been included in the power of the cross and what it has done. But because God respects the dignity of us, he doesn't force us to participate. He invites us. We can step in and say, yes, I want to be made whole. I want to be made well. The Gospel of John puts it this way. This is uh, eternal life. What? Not that you go to heaven after you die. This is eternal life, that you would know the Father and His Son whom He has sent. It's a relationship which is playing itself out right now. Invited to participate and begin experience who, experiencing who you have always been created to be. A child of God created in His image, loved from before the beginning of time, and Worthy of the very lifeblood of God as we see on the cross. You matter. And he says, let's commune. Abide in me. We hear the, the vine and the branches analogy. So that you can begin to be made whole and healed and saved right now from this moment onward. God finds no rest until everything he has created returns to him like the prodigal son. It's like that Ephesians, when he fills all things. And this means that God is still restless in our history right now, inviting us to participate. God desires for everyone to be saved, to come to the knowledge of the truth. And even for people who stubbornly reject that, the invitation stands. For it is God's invitation and he never takes it back 
I desire that you know me. For in knowing me, you will be made whole. You will be healed. And you are saved. Amen.